for the Dad Bod Rap Pop with your hosts, Timon Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad Who chronicles the vanguard of hip-hop at large Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod Rap pod, pod, pod Uh. Wonder how to know it's him Cause he's smelling like lounge For y'all that's blind it's only slim Cause you can't really pronounce A dollar sign you gotta live And if this starts spinning south I'll cross the lines And if the pigs never pick you doubt It's not a crime or trifling Cause good intentions still can send you to hell so Podcasting live from San Jose, California This is the Dad Bod Rap Pod This is our last episode of 2022 um, Episode 250 a bit of a struggle and we didn't know if we were going to make it to our round number that we like to end the year with but we got here eventually um this episode is a special one for me hi i'm your host today nate leblanc um damone carter and david ma are taking a well-needed break from talking about rap music to attend to other matters as we round out our year here um, today we have Wa Zhu on the podcast. Um, Wa is an excellent writer, um, a longtime music writer. Um, he writes for The New Yorker. He teaches at Bard. He uh, published a book this year, his second, um, a memoir called Stay True. Um, as you'll hear in the show, um, though we didn't focus completely on the book, um, I've spent a lot of the year Thinking about this book, um, Wa did this awesome series of events leading up to the book um, release. He sent out postcards to people who were interested. He published zines. He made websites that reference the time period and the things that he was interested in in the time when he was in college in Berkeley in the late 90s um, that is covered in the book. I went to college at another UC campus uc santa cruz also in the late 90s early 2000s um, we're all from the south bay area of california um, i'm from san jose was from cupertino about two um, towns over my wife currently works at the library in cupertino um, so to say that this uh, book had a lot of resonance for me would be uh, understating it quite a bit um, he is just an excellent writer and that time that college time when you meet new friends and try new things and try to figure out who you are in real time when you're away from your parents is kind of heady for anyone and was college experience is very unique um some pretty crazy stuff happened that i won't get into here but highly recommend that you read stay true and of course we would love it if you would stay tuned 
to the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We're taking a little break, but we will be back next year with more interviews, more nuanced conversation, more covering current hip hop, dissecting older hip hop, interacting with the luminaries of thoughtful, artful, independent rap worldwide. Um, you can find us on Twitter for the time being at Dad Bod Rap Pod. You can find us on Instagram for the foreseeable future at Dad Bod Rap Pod. We have a Patreon. Um, we just did a really fun exercise and end of the year thing with our Patreon community where they submitted some of their uh, thoughts on the year in rap 2022. Um, if you want to hear that and hundreds of hours of bonus content, um, more cursing, more talking off the cuff, more music, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. I um, want to give a special shout out to our podcast network, Stony Island run by Open Mike Eagle. Shout out to James, who helps out with the social media stuff. Shout out to all the other shows on the platform. Um, we had a really great year. Hopefully we can do some more stuff as a network. Um, moving into the future, we're all extremely busy, but I have an idea. I'm going to spring on them um, sometime to try to do something together. And just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in this year. I hope that you enjoyed this relatively brief, um, but I hope fun conversation with author Waju, Dadbot Rapod. Every week we bring you people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week is no different. Joining us is author, writer, Cupertino's favorite son, Waz <laughs> wow. How's it going, man? Cupertino. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm really excited to talk about the f all things 408. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you on the podcast. You've got a new book out called... Stay true, and um, we'll definitely delve into that. But um, I, I wanted to talk about your humble beginnings. Uh, we were discussing off mic. We're all kind of South Bay Area cats. I'm curious as to when and where you first encountered hip hop in your in your growth and development. Um, wait, just where did you guys all go to high school? I'm curious. I went to Santa Clara High School. Okay, Silver Creek. Andrew Hill Falcons class of 94. Okay, all right. Nice. I feel like it's a football game where it's like Demol Carter, Andrew Hill Falcons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Limbrook High School. <laughs> uh, no, I just I was just really curious in case uh, I don't know, like we all went to high in, in case I went to high school with when you guys. Um, so I am forty five. I'm not 
that was a very kind intro. I don't really know if I make any real substantive contributions to hip hop culture. <laughs> I read your Macklemore piece earlier today. You've done the work. <laughs> um, I I think it's pretty pretty standard. You know, just growing up in the suburbs. You know, in the South Bay in the in the eighties and nineties. You know, MTV, KML, stuff like that. I mean, I was definitely more of like a an indie rock person when okay. I was in junior high, high school. And it's something that I touch on in the book. I'm not really trying to like push the book, but it's something that I talk about is just at a certain point in my life in 1998, you know, in the face of this thing that happened to my friend, I was just really trying to reset my personality musically and just try mm -hmm. and, and explore different feelings or different kinds of ways of being in the world. And so, you know, I'd always been conscious of Wu-Tang, De La, Tribe, stuff like that, but I wasn't really like really immersed in it till I got to college. And then that really kind of accelerated in um, when I was like a junior in college. So, I mean, I went to Berkeley. So, you know, you'd just be walking to class. And I remember like Latif from Latirix was a student at the time. And yeah, like, yeah. there was like a cipher and he was just literally on his way to class. And he stopped and just destroyed everyone. And then just kept <laughs> going. So, you know, it was just like, a, it was just fun to be so close to stuff like that back then, even before I was, like got really into it that's so rad man thank you for explaining that you know a lot of your work ties into like you know music and identity and stuff and i read um, oh wait I, I gotta i just really gotta point out i'm also using a san jose mug wow <laughs> damn yeah. nice yeah. nice <laughs> topping us <laughs> your San Jose ness, I love that. I have a New Yorker sweatshirt, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So I was um, uh, back to the question. I I um, uh, saw some of the uh, NPR um, interview you did, and um, you know, you said that mixtapes and music help help you make a, make sense of yourself. And I I just wanted to you know give you a chance to elaborate on that a little bit more for our listeners because I really think that's like a sort of a, a, an important focal point. I mean, I feel like it's something we all share, right? It's just that yeah. we 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 all came up in that kind of one foot analog, one foot digital, mm. you know. I mean, I always think about how they talk about how the baby boomers, the greatest generation. I feel like we are because, <laughs> you know, we understand pre-internet and post-internet, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so yeah. um, <laughs> it just like offers an interesting perspective, you know. So I think... When I was a kid, my dad would make a lot of mixtapes for for car rides, and that sort of got me into the idea that, you know, you could really, there's a structure to it, you know, or like an art to it. Like, he would always have a little notepad, and he'd be figuring out, like, how long the songs were, and it's something that I really got into when I was in junior high, high school, you know, just humble beginnings of trying to, like, pass a tape to a girl or, or, mm. or some, like, a uh, someone you want to be friends with, and... You know, this is like a summary of my personality in a 60 minute tape. So I don't know. It's just like, I guess I teach college students. They still do that kind of thing with playlists and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you do the shared playlist. So you and another person kind of get to know each other. But I don't know. There's just something about the limitations of the medium. You know, I, I just knowing what songs are, are perfect at like 220, you know, or like what a good one minute song is it's just a different uh different mode of being but yeah i was i was just super into that it was i would spend a lot of like friday or saturday night just like making tapes 
Yeah, that's uh, definitely something we have in common. And the the thing of uh, the making the mixtape for the girl and then like, how could they ever get what we were trying to say, right? <laughs> it's possible for them to receive all of the messages that are intended, or at least that's how it went for me. Um, wanted to chat with you about this for a while, but you did this awesome zine called Suspended in Time with uh, oh, yeah. Noah Hayton. I don't, yeah. I know I've, I posted my copy on like the show's Instagram or whatever, but I don't think we ever actually explained what it was. Would you mind kind of walking us through like who Noah is and why you wanted to do that as part of the, I don't know if you consider it to be part of the process of the book launch or a thing that just happened at the same time, but can you just tell us about it? You know, the book is about just being a teenager, growing up, being in my twenties. And a lot of it, was about just making stuff like mixtapes, zines back when I was in high school. Um, I didn't write about college radio, but like college radio was also a huge part of just kind of, you know, being part of this community where people are just kind of into the same stuff you're into. And I think writing all that stuff made me miss doing it. And then I realized like I could actually just keep doing it if I wanted to. But now the zine's not just about my feelings <laughs> or just <laughs> my opinions on things. I kind of wanted to use it as a platform to tell other people's stories because I don't know, like I'm I've been a critic for so long, but I'm just really more interested in other people's stories, like other people's memories. Uh, and so the idea behind the zine suspended in time, it sort of started off as a joke. Um, my friend Chairman Mao, the DJ and writer out in New York, um, I, I, I'm like really into um, YouTube and Discogs comments. You know, so like if you go to any song by The Cure, there's going to be like a hundred incredibly moving comments, you know. And I think there was like, I think we're, Mao and I are really into this one group home. We're into all group home, but there's like one group home song where um, like all the comments are just incredibly moving memories of like being a New Yorker in the 90s. And so I had been telling him like, I don't want to do a zine of just like YouTube comments under group home songs, you know which is how Suspended in Time came about. But I think when I met Noah, I met Noah through um, Oliver Wang, DJ O-Dub. And he was like, hey, I met this guy. Um, he's around our age. He he created the No Limit Tank logo. He did an early Mac Dre logo. Uh, he did the Loonies logo. And now he's just an art teacher in Pasadena. And he showed me all of these um, drawings that Noah did when he was just like a junior high student, like like just drawings of like um, uh, Compton's Most Wanted just in his binder, you know. And so um, I was like, this is really cool. Like, I, I just want to know his story. Like, I want to know what that was like, because I think so much of music culture now, things move so quickly, uh, you know, like there's no real, the industry is so different, like people don't necessarily sit there and like draw pictures of ice cube. And not like, I don't not think like someone, we I don't, did. Yeah. Like, I don't think people who love playboy Cardi are like sitting there drawing by hand, like a picture of Cardi. You know what I mean? As the father and, of a playboy Cardi fan and son who can draw, that doesn't happen. You're hundred percent correct. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is like a, a lane that, that is like unfilled right now, but, um, but I was just, you know, like, I'm fascinated with that stuff. So I just interviewed, I'm like, let's do the zine. And he was like, he didn't really understand what that meant. But I was like, I'm going to reprint your art. You keep all the rights, obviously. But 
I just want to hear your story and I'm going to, we're going to talk for a few hours and then I'm going to kind of thread your story through it. And Noah was just a kid who went to Berkeley high in the early nineties. He was just fascinated with hip hop culture and he would just basically just draw pictures for other kids in, at school. And he turned that into doing stuff for, um, I think he did some stuff for the coup uh, Mac Dre, Mac Dre's manager paged him while he was in class. He had to like cut class to go to a Kinko's to draw this like Mac Dre all day um, sticker, which we reproduced for the zine. Um, it was just a blast. So I, I'm trying to do more, just find more stories like that. I think the next one is going to be on this photographer, Alice Arnold. Oh. She's like a club. She does like a lot of like club photos in the 90s. She just did this zine actually. Um, with this British press, Cafe Royal Books. And it's like all images of a night uh, when Goldie DJed in New York City in, in 1985. So I asked her, you know, like nowadays, any one of us could just take pictures at a gig. But like back in the day, like you had to have the gear, you had to show up early, you had to like get people to. So I, I want to interview her about like what that was like to be like a, a club photographer and just to... Um, do something like that so that's what suspended in time is and noah was um i don't know it was really cool to to get noah's stories and i'm, I'm thankful he entrusted me with uh with yeah his stories it's so cool it's such a cool document and just briefly for the listeners and i guess for david damone i don't know if i ever talked to you guys about this on noah's instagram and i'm not sure it's still there he had a flood in his mm, studio yeah. and some of the images that are left after the flood like that old like 90s marker washing out in the mm. flood are so, they are so beautiful like they're kind of ruined but in a way i think they're kind of improved like it's so interesting to see the after effects of that and i'm sure he lost a ton of like unreplaceable stuff and i don't mean to like celebrate that in any way but the little ig posts he made after yeah. that were where they started to bleed out i was like now we're talking like it's like the psychedelic version of the um you know this like kind of rigid 90s uh hand typography graphic design is just it was amazing no i i agree with you and i told noah um let's make a t-shirt of the e41 because it kind of looks like tie-dye it, it looks like mm. like a weird kind of like yes. messed up tie-dye i am first situation. in line for that. i love that idea <laughs> and, and noah was like i don't know like does it look it's like ruined i'm like no i think this would actually look really cool yeah. um so I'll, I'll let you know if we, we all right if you re-engage on that i want to know <laughs> waterlogged tease coming soon um so I've been, I haven't read the book Stay True yet, and I want to, but I have read some of your your criticism. And I'm curious, um, how do, how does one go from being a listener and an aficionado, aficionado to being like, I can critique this. Like, I I feel I have the right to opine on, on what this should be. I don't, I mean, I honestly don't feel like I, I do have that. I mean, I, I do it because I've been allowed to do it, but I think that, uh, I think a lot of it is just, I think nowadays, or at least like for the past 10 years, a lot of my criticism is more like, this is what the music feels like to me, or this is what it's mm. conjuring in my mind. Um, I think early on, like I, I started off writing for like Herb Magazine, um, that was like, the village voice um vibe those are magazines where you had to 
I don't know, like plus like the internet wasn't quite as hot right. as it is now. So right. you had to actually give a, a sort of like consumer angle to things. Like I remember being like incredibly harsh. Uh Razkaz's Van Gogh. I don't even know if it came out. Did that album come out? I don't think so. I remember hearing about it, but I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it had like that one song, Home Sweet Home. It, it, was, it was a great song, but like I remember just like trashing this this album. The album didn't come out, not because of a 100 word <laughs> review, but I, I look back and, and I think just when you're a young critic, when you're a young reviewer, you're just really trying to establish yourself kind of by being like super critical sometimes. And over time, I think just meeting artists and just thinking about my own craft, like nowadays i think for quite a while people have said like i can't really tell if you like this or not but i can tell what you think about it mm. um i mean there's obviously some artists i've written about like i don't know like uh macklemore or uh, post malone since it's, there's like obviously um <laughs> the trend here like they're they're sort of like low-hanging fruit in a way sure like i find them interesting um like I've written critical stuff about like Kanye, but like that's that's that doesn't matter, you know. Like you're no one's gonna like stop Kanye, just full stop at this point. But like a bad review is not gonna affect anything. So, mm -hmm. um, but I'm always just interested in like what the music means about like being alive right now, or just sort of like, um, yeah, I don't know. So, but I've never really felt I had critical authority. I think I'm mm -hmm. always just kind of cosplaying like authority voice sometimes so. uh van gogh never officially released according to my brief research uh promo <laughs> cdrs were circulated so maybe you had some authority I'm i have uh yeah no, I'm, uh, I'm gonna make sure i i hold on to that then <laughs> you know um we're we're you know we're discussing some of your early work you know with herb and stuff and damon mentioned um your critiques um, some of the first stuff that I read from you was from uh, Believer magazine, actually. And it, it, it kind of makes me wonder, like, how does your old work strike you? I mean, is it is it cringy? Does it not bother you? <laughs> does, um, you know, and just just on a larger sort of scale, like uh, how does um, how do you think of your own development as a writer? That's a good question. Um, I, I've actually been looking at my old stuff a lot lately just because. I was home. I, I, I've just been like organizing my files recently. And so I was looking at my first few reviews for Herb. And, you know, I think the flip side of being super critical is that you also want to discover the thing that's going to be unique to you. Like, um, has uh, Joseph Patel been on this show? Jasbo? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, I was hanging out with people who are a little bit older than me, like Jasbo. And he would talk about like, yeah, like I was part of Soul Sides and, uh, you know, I would trade Project Blowed records with James Lavelle at Mowak. So I'm like, I got to find my version of that. You know, I got to find the thing that I'm going to get into. And so when I look back in my early herb stuff, it's not really like cringe, but I was super into um, Celestial. Are you guys familiar with Celestial? The record label? Yeah, 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 like yes, uh, Omid, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. Fat Jack, and like I, th I think that stuff's still awesome. Like I think um, beneath the surface, 
Sorry if I'm getting like going full nerd right Life now. Defining no. record for okay, me. Keep going. Right. This is the place to go full nerd. But like, let's go, uh, let's go. like, like beneath the surface, uh, I still think that compilation is like one of the greatest hip hop, comp- like one of the greatest compilations of music. Uh, Cater to the DJ. Uh, so like, I was reviewing like if anything came out of that like post, like after Afterlife, post like kind of Project Blood Heyday. Um, world like i would want to write about that stuff because i was just, i was just looking for the new thing that like i could get super into you know what i mean so i think when i look back i'm struck by how stoked i was about stuff because i think now i'm older you know writing for the new yorker for the past i don't know how many years um, like seven or eight years before that writing for magazines sort of like that it's it's harder to really find stuff it's harder to have opportunities to just like enthuse about stuff. You know what I mean? And so when I look back, I don't know, like the writing is fine. It's like, it's okay. But I'm struck by how just I wanted, you know, this one like Daddy Kev EP to be the thing that everyone else got into, you know? And and like, thankfully, some of that stuff I think is like still incredible. Like I, I was super into Zion Eye. Because they came out basically when I was like a junior or senior and they were always playing in Oakland. And I was like, this is like the next great group, you know. Um, and, I, and you know, they they did ended up having this incredible career. But I think there was like this other investment because like I just really wanted to be part of this scene. Yeah, I mean, we we certainly understand that um, and are kind of still doing it. Um, appreciate that. All right. I waited as long as I could. Now I'm going to gush about the book. So uh, brace <laughs> yourself. <laughs> um, Stay True is uh, by far the most uh, moving and well-written thing I read this year. And it's really awesome to see it gain the level of acclaim that it has. But for me, as someone who went to college in the bay area in the late 90s and early 2000s i just like very few things i've ever read have ever resonated with me so personally and uh you know my ken was this guy named hogope and he's still alive and we're still good friends and i got to send him a copy of the book and um i just cannot tell you how much it meant to see um that world represented so beautifully written so well and just um i'm sure that it was it, it took a lot of soul searching and um, kind of, uh, I don't know, like reification in your mind to worry about like who, what to say about whom. And uh, I just thought it, it came out so beautifully. And I just want to tell you that it meant a lot to me and that it's something that I'll revisit at other points in my life. But I think, uh, and this is a very weird comparison, but the only thing that has ever made me feel that way, like it captured the specific vibe of being in the Bay Area at that time was the Netflix rom-com Always Be My Maybe. Have you seen that? (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that. So uh, (laughs) as a rom-com, like I was like, okay, that's what it felt like to go to those bars and see those weird (laughs) hip-hop bands and stuff. And this is what it feels like to have a beautifully written (laughs) memoir about similar things at similar times. And uh, I just want to say thanks and that... Um, it's incredibly meaningful and that I think um, it's it's kind of a tremendous amount of accolades 
that the book is receiving and they're incredibly well-deserved. And I know you're a very humble person, but I hope that you're enjoying this moment. And uh, we had uh, Joseph Patel on a few months before he won the Oscar. And we were like, this movie's going to win an Oscar. You know that, right? And he couldn't do it. So I don't know what that version of that is I can do now to make you uncomfortable. But, you know, it's going to win National Book Awards and stuff, right? Like everyone loves it. Like, how do you feel? No, it already, it already didn't do that. But um... okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> no, no, I I appreciate that. Um, it's like something that uh, I really just did for myself. Like it, it was something that um, I mean, the the book is essentially about this really meaningful friendship that I made in college when I was sort of at my most elitist, <laughs> like when I was at when I was at the sort of peak snob. And, um, you know, it was about my friend Ken, who um, was killed when we were juniors. And it was about, it's about sort of reflecting on that period of life, just like what it means to, like, invest so much in friendship, but then also be kind of a bad friend every day, because, you know, you're, you're so young, you don't really know what it means to hold on to the moment. Um, but it's also a book about writing. It's also a book about music and identity in some ways um and you know i i do think i i didn't write this in the book like i tried to but i think that one thing that really changed for me like right after he died i started i pretty much just couldn't listen to any old music anymore and i think one thing like my relationship to um the <laughs> The Puff Daddy song "I'll Be Missing You" completely changed because before, before I was like, "This is so stupid," you know, like this is so like everyone is sad that this person died, but like, why would you make this shitty song about it, you know? But then afterwards, I I found the song like incredibly meaningful. I'm like, this is so it is an over the top ridiculous song, and and maybe that's that fits what puff was trying to feel you know or and like faith and 112 and whatnot but i think that one thing about writing the book was trying to capture some of the the joy of friendship too and i i just remember um in 98 around the time when all this stuff was happening uh outcast put out rosa parks and right that's right right 98 and just the video where you're just like, these two guys seem, they already seem very different at the time, but they had this shared purpose, you know? And and I felt like I that's something that I couldn't articulate at the time, but that's what made rap music so kind of, such a model in a way, because it's just like, these are just people trying to work together to do something, you know? And these two people in particular in Outkast, like these are clearly good friends. And even if they're growing apart, they're still trying to make this music together. And I don't know, that was, I think that was something that really um, clicked for me as far as, you know, we're always listening to music to figure stuff about ourselves. And that was something that I was, I was really like wanting to see in the music that I was listening to. Does that make sense? Very much so. Yeah, it's it's great. And just very briefly before I move off of this completely, you have both me and my wife listening to a ton of Mojave 3, something I totally <laughs> missed at the time and now like really fits my need to have music to write to or just to like soundtrack my walks or whatever. So that was like probably the one thing I really pulled out of that where I was like, mm, nice. blind spot for me, totally filled in. Thank you so much. 
Right on. So I um, want to touch a little bit on your uh, your work as an academic. Um, when we had Jeff Chang on the show, I asked this question and I, I want to pose it to you. Do you think, agree or disagree, hip hop is America's most successful experiment in multiculturalism? Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's... um. Jeff is like my uh, my grandfather, basically. I, I don't mean I don't mean. That's, that's We're gonna tell them you said that. That is not a shot at Jeff. That is not a shot at Jeff. But um, I consider like Oliver like my mentor, my direct mentor, because he's like five years older than me. And Jeff was Oliver's mentor, and yeah. so that's why I'm like he's got to be like my granddad, even though Jeff looks Jeff looks younger than. I would say like everyone on this Zoom, no offense, but also Oliver and I, like he just, Jeff, Jeff is like reverse aging, which is nuts. Um, I think that that's, that's like an incredibly smart thing to say. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably true in all the good and bad, Mm. you, you know what I mean? Like it's good and it's bad, but yeah, I mean, that's probably, it probably is like, I think at its best, it did disrupt the culture in the way that multiculturalism in its original iteration was supposed to be you know like like an aggressively confrontational challenging thing right but then it gets softened and now it's like a school curriculum or um you know it could be co-opted in all these other ways like multiculturalism just kind of doesn't have the teeth that it once did sure um and so yeah i mean it it, it seems like hip-hop yeah i mean it was like incredibly incredibly challenging form of music and expression before and now it's sort of it it might be even more challenging but it's also been tamed and it's also yeah so that's what i was going to ask you feel like you're saying multiculturalism in some ways lost its teeth. Do you do you think hip hop did in a certain way? Because it sits at the center of the culture. There was a time when it was yeah. clearly oppositional, and now it's Kendrick and Dr. Dre at the Super Bowl. That's true, but it's also a bunch of other just completely sociopathic stuff, right? Like there's there's <laughs> like true. I feel like there's a lot of incredibly depressing, like angry, violent hip hop that. I'll listen to like a few times a year. Like I'll fall into one of those YouTube K holes where I'm just like listening to only stuff that that is like kind of over the red, like in the red EQ. You know what I mean? Just yeah, like yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, or just stuff like like I was thinking the other day about um, what was it TK the race a few yeah. years ago mm-hmm. where like the dude was literally on the run just like yeah. recording songs about being on the I mean that's that's incredible you know like yeah. but it's also just so wildly problematic you know <laughs> that like that you could do this um, but it was also like as if you were thinking about it purely as a as like uh if you want to think about the context too deeply it's also like really exciting to see the to see someone doing the thing that they're rapping about you, you know what i mean like mm-hmm. but and i think that's sort of the problem is that it's become like sports in a way where people mm-hmm. don't really think about the context or people don't really think about yeah. history or people don't think about 
like what it really means to be putting all this stuff forward. Um, and I feel like the industry is just, it's not as interested in, look, I mean, it's, I feel like sometimes it's easy to romanticize the past. Yeah. People were, they were trying to exploit a tribe called quest, you know, for sure. But they were able to have a career or at least think about things in terms of a career. I feel like nowadays you're just like, let's just find this, uh, fucking batshit person you know who has a viral hit and try and like milk that as much as we can until we find the next one like Discard. what happened to what happened to cj the whoopty guy <laughs> like, <laughs> like i was i was driving down the street and i saw a blue car and then i'm like and for some reason in my mind i'm like oh yeah there's that guy cj with that song whoopty and it's like i remember when that was a hit and he would talk about how like his plan was to put out i was like they they like got what they needed from you and moved on yeah. and i think that that's i don't know like that's that must be just must be very difficult to be an artist now and try and mature you know or change when um i don't know the they 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 kind of want to keep you doing the thing that that got you attention you know mm. CJ, where are you? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> C, well, CJ, you, come on the pod. <laughs> please, please. Um, I know we're kind of jumping around, uh, you know, through your uh, career a bit. And I I, I kind of want to just follow up with a, a question that is just be a bit less less heavier. Um, you know, a byproduct of this podcast kind of forces us, and I don't mean that in a bad way, to sort of keep up with uh, new releases and new yeah. rap music. Um, do you currently keep up with... Uh, modern rap music or or the new stuff or do you kind of revert to the classics like what what sort of your listening experience these days with modern rap up until um maybe a year and a half ago i was still writing about music pretty regularly for the new yorker uh the new yorker is not on the cutting edge of you know like rap music at all so that basically that that was more like you know knowing when the big artists were going to put things out but now that I don't do that, my I feel like I actually listen to more music. You know, mm. I, I think I listen to more random stuff that I'll never write about. Um, but I don't necessarily know what the hits are. I feel like I've actually never had a very good grasp of the hits, you know. But um, even more so than ever now, I don't know what the hits are. Uh, I'm actually looking at... <laughs> The songs I I like this year, and it's just like, uh, uh, yeah. There's no real. I think every now and then I'll just. My way of exploration is basically just like finding a video, on YouTube, and then just like, following the sidebar like ten or twelve steps just to see where it takes me. Um, the the fewer hits, the better. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't. I, I can't say I have a grasp of anything. Like um, I'm interested in like all sorts of little subcultures, mm. but I don't really know how they link up or or sort of how like what what's producing them. You know you know what I mean. So no Billy Woods profile in the New Yorker. Great. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that'd be kind of cool, but um, I would I would probably not be the one to do it. <laughs> all good. Um. What's next, man? Did you are you gonna do more books, more oh, magazine articles? Were... <laughs> Focus on academia. 
do more CBS Sunday morning television hits? Like, what are you, what are you going to do? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, uh, I spent so long writing this book. Um, I kind of want to write. I mean, I, I have to write another book contractually. So it was, there's one, it's all, it's called imposter syndrome. So it's about uh, kind of, I don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but it's about teaching and learning and just imposture and things like that. But um, I haven't really started it yet. Uh, I also have this idea for a book of essays about music but uh it's it's still like kind of in the early stages but a lot of it would be the concept is like all the times i i misheard something because like i think i actually i mean one of the trippy things about the book is people will interpret things and say like oh like you know at the end when you do this it's sort of like on page 10 when this happens and and i'll say like wow that's incredible like that's not at all I didn't know I was doing that, you know, and then I just get all these flashbacks to the hundreds of times I've said that to an artist, you know, where I'm like, oh, the refrain on track 11, clearly, you know, referring back to the bridge on track three, right? And people are like, I don't know, like, I just sounded good to be or something. So, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I, I think I want to write something about music, but I'm not quite sure what. Um, that's awesome. And I definitely feel you on the mishearing things. My instead of asking questions a lot, I'll just make these big grandiose statements and then ask people how they feel about them. And I remember in particular the rapper producer Odyssey telling me I was uh -huh. dead wrong about yeah. the thing that I interpreted <laughs> his track being. And like took the time to walk me through how and what. And I was like, okay, thank you. I learned a valuable lesson today. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But how do you guys find new music? Like, how do you engage with uh, we wait for Nate to be like, "Hey, listen to this." Um, Nate is the is the preeminent kind of deep diver. He does like uh, the recon. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, basically, I follow smart, interesting people on social media. Wait for them to recommend things. Take screenshots of them, and then when I'm bored, I look through my phone back at my screenshots and be like, "I should listen to that." And then, yeah. actually, like just before we hopped on, I just did it tweet about how it's list season and i'm gonna i'm gonna get 60 new things to listen to based yeah. off of you know it's it's just about filing them away for later because you can't take a deep dive on a new artist like like i'm not gonna do that tonight right we're gonna do yeah. this we're gonna record a little bit after and then we're gonna have dinner and then i'm gonna watch tv with my wife and go to work tomorrow it's that's my day i'm not gonna learn about a new artist tonight but someday i'm going to want to so i just continue to do that and I, my screenshotting system and like spot like if you look it up in spotify or a main service it'll hold your searches for a time yeah so yeah even yeah. if you can't delve in then you'll remember that you searched and then you go look so yeah and then uh honestly with twitter seeming to crumble around us i'm even gonna really miss it as a recommendation engine like great for jokes great for light bits of news and really great for people recommending songs true that and i will continue to to take nate's recommendations and be like man let's see <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh we really appreciate you coming on the program man stay true is in stores now uh we just we thank you all the success in the world and we'd love to talk to you again hey anytime thanks for having me beep, beep, beep.
the stage and fans knowing the name never endeavored to get better acquainted with the business depending on others to make decisions i should have listened to mom her logic was valid i didn't care knew i was talented being illogic could get me where i want to be unfortunately it wasn't enough no hustle to build planted seeds didn't work the harvest to fill the hardest thing to accept my part in the screenplay the artist paints the picture regardless but i handed over the brush and canvas abandoned plans to be active was happy collecting checks showing up and just rapping just happened to be young and naive didn't have a plan b trick up the sleeve i just had a dream oh did i mention the wife and kids needed attention this is when the missions distractions change the passion Education. Even became a master. Admired the grace of patience. Embracing my chosen pasture. Experimenting, expanding the palette, building textures, musically growing. Plus, as a man, I was getting better. Wifey wasn't as stressed once I landed stable employment. Back to the nine to five, but actually I enjoyed it. Touring wasn't as frequent, though steady dropping releases. Trying to find a balance, so two lives ain't competing. Still perfecting the journey, still growing every day. I continue chipping away to solidify my place in this culture as an artist and human being. An enlightened path is ever present. In each song that I sing like that All I need is All I need is Somebody that needs 